Coming up on Studos America, Paul Jossi is here to tell us how cryptocurrency is getting ESG'd. It's a crazy story. I'll explain what it means. Hunter Biden was, uh, again, caught on camera doing so many gross things. We'll check that out, unfortunately. And I found one of the best possible people to discuss Andrew Cuomo's career train crash with. So let's do The Megyn Kelly Show. Stu Does America. Welcome to the program. Before we get to today's news and Megyn Kelly and Andrew Cuomo and all these things, I have an important show update for you. This is important because I hear this complaint all the time. Hey, idiot, we're listening on podcasts. Stop clacking your cards against the desk, right? And that's really an annoying sound, I guess, if you're not watching on TV. If you're on TV, you kind of see my hands moving around. Maybe you see me kind of hit the desk with the card. And then you're on podcast, and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, what the hell is that annoying clacking all the time? I know his speech is annoying. I know his points are annoying. But why do I have to have annoying cards, too? Now, if you're not watching the podcast, you might think you're hearing the cards all the time. And I understand that. And I, I think of you all the time. I put a lot of times I'll hold the card and I'll take my little my pinky finger and I'll keep it under the card the whole time. So when I'm moving it around, because I have the habit of, of moving the cards up and down, it doesn't actually hit the table. So I've been taking steps for you, the podcast listeners out there. However, the other problem we have is that I have a wedding ring on. So I've solved the problem. I'm divorced. And I could take, no, I'm only kidding. I solved the problem because here we go. You got the, the right? Okay. And you think, well, why don't I take off the ring? And that's a good point, except I probably will end up in a divorce if I do that. So I have acquired a ring made of rubber. Here it is, a rubber ring right here. And I can put that on. And now I don't clack the ring anymore when I move my hands around like a maniac. So congratulations, podcast listeners. The Studios America podcast now 8% less annoying. You're welcome. Another podcast that might have a few more uh, listeners than this one even is the Megyn Kelly show. Megyn Kelly, of course, uh, former Fox News personality, former NBC. You know who she is. I don't need to explain who she is. Of course, you know who she is. She, everybody knows who Megyn Kelly is. And she invited me on her podcast uh, yesterday. And I encourage you to go check it out. You know, come for the Janice Dean and stick around for me at the end if you can. Uh, we wanted to talk about Andrew Cuomo, and obviously we've been talking about Andrew Cuomo is awful and Chris Cuomo is worse.com for so long uh, that we just wanted to have a great conversation about it. And Megan was awesome, and the conversation with Janice is great as well, so make sure to check out that episode. But I want to give you a couple uh, points from it because she brings up a couple of really interesting points. As you might know, when it comes to what really ousted Andrew Cuomo here with the sexual harassment allegations, Megan Kelly has some experience. She's went through this uh, at a previous employer, you may know of and was around a lot of people who went through the same types of issues. So she has real experience uh, dealing with this sort of treatment from people who are up in the corporate ladder and in this case, the government ladder. So um, I, I talked to her and I and I think there is a real concern uh, with Andrew Cuomo and, and all the time, uh, you know, Chris Cuomo tried this uh, tactic out with Andrew to say, hey, this is cancel culture. Uh, they're just canceling my brother. Well, I don't think that's the case. So I asked, uh, we, Megan and I, as we were talking back and forth, she talked a little about, a bit about, did Andrew Cuomo get due process here? Watch. 
most women want nothing nothing to do with this. Most women are horrified it happened, not even necessarily because it's traumatic exactly. It's not like, I don't know. Let me let me put it to you this way. I just had a conversation with a 20-year-old woman who needed my advice, who had been her boss had come on to her in a totally inappropriate way and she didn't know what to do. And I, and you know, I, I talked to her and I was like, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm sorry to tell you, this won't be the last time. <laughs> it's it, it, as a mm-hmm. woman, especially she's an attractive woman. Sadly, it's still part and parcel of, of coming up in a professional world. And there are all sorts of complicated reasons why men and women are attracted to each other. Men tend to think beautiful women want them no matter what, they, whether they're the boss, whether they're unattractive, whether they you know, they just think all of us want them anyway. And they make stupid mistakes. And if it's a one off thing, I think it's forgivable. Even if it's a two off thing, it's forgivable. If it's an 11 off thing, it's less forgivable. <laughs> so hmm. like this is the position she found herself in. And I, I don't think there's reason to discount her her testimonial or that of the other women in this case, having read having read them all. I really don't. I think people can be assured that Cuomo did get due process. He sat for 11 hours with Tish James. He released his own statement. He had way more access to microphones and television shows than any of these women did. It's interesting because that is kind of what made Andrew Cuomo uh, be able to push down all these scandals for so long. His access to those microphones, his access to the bully pulpit, constantly going after people in the media. He was able to get his side of the story out uh, so often. Uh, also, I will say, as Megan pointed out, um, some guys think that every attracted woman, every attractive woman is attracted to them. And the, the way you avoid these problems is my approach, which is I always assume any woman, attractive or not, is not interested in me. And that's really a, it's the way to kind of fundamentally understand your life and put yourself in your place constantly. Um, let me uh, go to uh, this next clip. This is uh, interesting. And Megan brings up a great point and an interesting way to look at the nursing home scandal. The, the nursing home scandal was really the thing that I think brought Andrew Cuomo to the attention of a lot of conservatives. Uh, we were kind of there earlier than that because we were just annoyed here on this show that he was getting credit for a terrible performance generally. Then the nursing home scandal thing happened and it made it much, much worse. We talked to you about that through the entire process, but the media didn't talk about it. And Megan had a really interesting perspective uh, and a comparison to from that particular scandal to another one you might uh, know from recent memory. The nursing home scandal in a way was like the COVID lab leak theory. It was not to be reported on. It was not to be discussed. Only cranks were discussing such a thing. How can you blame deaths in nursing homes during a pandemic on a governor? This is totally unfair. And it's like the normal journalistic instinct is to say, is it unfair? Let me bring my skepticism to this story and every story and any claim by a governor that he's done perfectly and see what I find. And you would have found what the attorney general found, which was he issued this order over massive objections from the medical community saying, don't do this. This mm-hmm. is dangerous to the most vulnerable population. Look how much they're making us go through right now. Our kids have to wear masks in school, lest one of them, who then they're not vectors for the virus, somehow contract it and manage to get through the mask and manage to bring it home to grandma because they're so worried about that one grandma dying. Never mind sending a bunch of COVID positive patients into nursing homes. It's so clear now, no interest in it. Yeah, it really is fascinating. I was talking to someone about this and they were like, well, you know, remember, this is March of 2020. We don't know a lot about the virus. Lots of people made mistakes. And that is actually true. I think there is a legitimate level 
of grace that should be allowed for public figures at that time in particular who didn't know everything about COVID. Mm -hmm. But stop and think about what this quote unquote mistake was. You are importing COVID-19 positive patients into nursing homes around the most vulnerable. You're guaranteeing their import. People you know that are currently testing positive for COVID-19. In addition to that, and, and he was one of a few governors who did that, all Democrats, but there was he was the only governor, I believe, in the entire country who also prevented nursing homes from even testing incoming patients for COVID-19 because he worried in their own words that they would be discriminating against COVID-19 positive patients as if it was like their skin color or something. That's not discrimination in a pandemic to say that we shouldn't have uh, people around the most vulnerable in our society that we know have a deadly virus. This isn't a mistake. It's not something that can be blown off as some uh, some uh, understandable malfeasance in the middle of an un, uh, a difficult situation. This is like insanely obvious to every living human being on Earth. <laughs> it really is. It's not. It, it, this is the way they've tried to protect Cuomo through this. They've tried to say, well, this is just a little mistake. It really wasn't. I mean, I think any idiot, it's like this isn't a little bit of an oopsie. <laughs> you know, this is like the most basic thing. And certainly it points uh, strongly against the idea that Joe Biden has been trying to propagate, that basically he was a great governor who made a mistake occasionally groping someone who was walking by him. I mean, Joe Biden might know something a little a little bit about that here and there, at least been uh, allegedly, guys, allegedly. Uh, we also got into the media and Megan is great on the media. If you ever hear her talking about this, the way the media should be acting. And it's interesting because she's gone through kind of every side of this. She's done, you know, obviously, Fox News, but also NBC, seen kind of every side of this and decided I want to be out on my own. I want to be doing my own freaking thing. Because I don't want to be held. I don't want to be held to anybody else's account. I want to hold myself to my own, you know, my own standards. Um, and she talked a little bit about Chris Cuomo as well. And the question, of course, is did Chris Cuomo continue to advise uh, the uh, the governor? And there's a there was a question about this. It was not really supposed to be happening. Uh, so we talked about did he continue to advise uh, Andrew Cuomo. And also, how do we know about that? If you stop and think about this for a second, how do we know that he advised Andrew Cuomo? Listen, he promised he that he would not advise him further when he came out and he got caught by The Washington Post for doing it the first time. Yeah. And and I, I have a little bit of, you know, it's interesting. I think certainly he was talking to his brother and that's it is widely reported. And you'd think, well, how did it get reported if he's talking one on one to his brother? Why would that be in all this news? And I think there's a real answer to that, which is in each one of these reports, he is identified as a person who was the calm, sensible voice when Andrew oh was Lord. waffling. I don't know. I might resign. I don't know. Maybe I should keep fighting. And Chris came in and Chris said, you know what? I think you need to resign. I think it's the right thing to do. I think this is a PR effort to protect oh Chris Cuomo. You're telling me that he leaked it? You think he leaked it or someone around him who's his ally did? I do. I mean, it, it was supposed to be an individual conversation between brother and brother. In fact, that is their out uh, in defending it. And that 
when he said the, the initial conversation about not being able to, uh, to, to advise his brother anymore, the out was, well, he can't be advised in any conversations around AIDS. There can't be any like government employees involved. If he's talking to his brother, he's talking to his brother. We can't stop that. So this had to be, by their telling, a one-on-one conversation. How does that make it into every single mainstream press report about this? And the fact that Chris Cuomo was just happened to be the voice of reason in this situation. I think they've realized the Andrew Cuomo level is lost. The Chris Cuomo level is next, and they need to do everything they can to protect that. And I think the only way to make Chris look good in this is to say that, yes, he advised him, but he said the right thing. He was the voice of reason. He was standing up for these women. (laughs) Which is a crazy framing, we should point out. That's a crazy point, but I do think that's what occurred here. Uh, If you think about it, if you're in a battle, and you have the front line and you realize you're losing the front line. What do you what, what, what do you say in that situation? What does the general say? Fall back, retreat, retreat back up to the next line. So let's hold that next line. And in the Cuomo power structure, you have Andrew Cuomo and the next line is Chris Cuomo. They don't want to lose both Cuomos here. And I think there's a, they're in a real rational world. Both Cuomos would be gone after this. This is a scandal where a network that constantly is telling us to believe all women, a network that is sitting back and telling us that every Republican is bad because they don't believe every accusation made uh, in every situation. This woke, progressive company that's treating women they're they're with you. They're me, too. Their time's up. You know, that's them. That organization can't credibly put on a guy who said, go after them in the media, who uh, who who talked about targeting these women and, and for what I would call personal destruction so they can, you know, everyone won't believe their claims against his brother. And so there's a big difference there in a, a man who's just talking to his brother and giving him loving advice and what he actually wrote, which was his first statement in this particular saga. I mean, CNN was covering a speech that Chris Cuomo wrote without their knowledge. And that's embarrassing for a network. How do you piece this together? How do you keep Chris Cuomo alive in this situation? Well, you or your PR people get to each one of these reporters and you say, look, you know, the, I, we... We shouldn't be admitting this because, you know, Chris is, is not really it's not doesn't really look great if he's talking to his brother. But he did have an out for a one on one conversation. And what he told him was, you got to step down for the people in New York. You got to step down. You got to step down. It's the right thing to do. I mean, think about it. This is a, this is a, an effort to salvage uh, Chris Cuomo, who, by the way, as many of you have pointed out to me when I say Andrew Cuomo is awful. Chris Cuomo is worse. Dot com. One more clip here for you here. This had a little fun at the end of this because some of this has just been laughable. And we talked about the back and forth when it comes to why Andrew Cuomo actually resigned. What was the real reason for the resignation? Watch. I spoke with somebody in the know who spoke with Andrew Cuomo after the Tish James report broke. And this Mm -hmm. person was telling me that he was not going to resign. He was totally dug in, even though people around him were saying, you got to go. He was like, no way. If I resign, it's going to make me seem guilty. And I'm not guilty. Right. He was maintaining. But I think I will I will surmise that what happened was somebody smart sat him down and said, you could still have a future, be it in politics, be it a law firm, what have you. 
What you don't want is that state trooper getting on the stand at an, an impeachment trial and telling her story and the American people seeing her firsthand, hearing her, seeing the, the trooper who backs up her story, seeing executive assistant number one. And then you get up there, your lawyer and cross examines that young woman, tries to tear holes in the story. You don't mm. want that. That you can't come back from. So just leave now while it's still Oh, cultural, generational. I didn't mean anything by it. Oh, and that that excuse in particular is so infuriating. He's acting as if I I mean, what when when did people think he got into office? Like it, he wasn't like, I right. well, Gladys from the steno pool just came by and I gave her a little <laughs> goose on the rear end like that. He came into the office in 2010. It, like, what what era are you talking about here? I, I never in a point where I've been a like never at a point. This isn't Mad Men here. I mean, I don't I, never at a point exactly. uh, that I've been alive. Do I remember any of that type of activity being appropriate or accepted or justified? It's you know, no. it, it, it when it's happened. Thankfully, it's been called out more recently and we've come a long way. Thank God in that in that stance. But he acts as if he's, you know, he's acting in another era that no one is familiar with. He's 63 years old. I mean, I don't know. Is that an average age of a governor, I would say? And I don't think mm-hmm. we have that many other reports like this around the country. I no. hope Andy McCarthy was on the show last week saying I'm one year younger than him. And I can tell you <laughs> this was never OK. And he blames like the Italian thing. Well, let me tell you, my pop up was 100 percent Italian off the boat from Italy, born in 1907. And he ran a little boat yard in just north of New York City and had a lot of women running around. They had there was a little burger stand and people who help the guys with the boat. Never once pop-up was not touching the women's bottoms, reaching up the blouses and touching their breasts. And the only one he kissed was Nana. So it's not yeah. generational because he was a lot older than Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> yeah. And he was one of these guys that always brought up like, I don't like these Italian stereotypes. And now he's like, well, groping's pretty much Italian culture. Sorry. <laughs> Incredible. Viva Italia. So the housing market's been interesting lately. Uh, It's up a tad. I don't know if you've noticed this. You need a real estate agent that's going to make sure that you take advantage of a situation like this if you're selling a home. We've never seen a market like this, or at least not in a really long time. It's hard to know where it's going to go next. Your real estate agent is going to have a a really good picture as to what to expect from the local market. You You can look at national trends. You can get some stats online. But to really understand it, you have to have someone who lives this stuff. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find this person. Glenn Beck, of course, started this company many years ago because he was frustrated about his real estate uh, experience. And now you can have a really good experience like he does. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the person in your area, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, no matter what you're doing. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Build a relationship at realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm happy to welcome to the program Paul Jossi. He's an adjunct fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute and the author of the recent piece for National Review, Bitcoin Gets ESG'd. <laughs> Head over to my Twitter page. I will uh, make sure to link up to that story. Paul, how's it going? Hi, Stu. Thanks for having me. and really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing this. It's a great piece. It's really interesting. And, you know, 
I'm you know, a, a guy who's really interested in cryptocurrency for many reasons. We should get into some of this here in a second. Um, and we've talked here at The Blaze a decent amount about ESG standards and what they mean and what they are. But for people who kind of aren't up to speed on even what ESGs are, can you kind of walk people through it? Sure. So actually, most people, maybe not people who uh, regularly tune into your show, but most people who have never really uh, heard the acronym ESG, short for Environmental Social Governance. And this is a, a one in a long stretch of uh, corporate responsibility movements that go back to the late 19th century. And what it what they try to do is uh, separate shareholders from corporate management and put all of these other things in between uh, those two entities, for instance, for environmental concerns or, or these other things. And this is a huge industry right now. Um, some of the major asset managers in the country, like BlackRock, who has trillions of dollars under asset, has basically said they're not going to invest in companies that don't uh, adhere to these standards. So uh, this could cost a CEO his job. This could cost uh, a board uh, their positions. So they the they pay attention to this stuff. And now it's coming for this wonderful uh, iteration of the internet that is just around the corner. If we can just keep everything decentralized and not let these bureaucracies kind of come in and, and control it. Yeah, it, it's like almost like a, I, this is a, a, a poor summary of it, but it's almost like a woke governance structure that's kind of put right in the middle of capitalism. And it's why I think a lot of people feel this weird pressure coming from business as usual. Uh, obviously, the left would say, hey, this is great. We're putting, people are being responsible. They're thinking about the environment when they're going through these decisions. But it really is getting in the way of commerce uh, and capitalism really is designed to bridge gaps without having to have these structures all over the place. And this seems to in interrupt that in, in, I think, a negative way. Well, not only is it getting in the way of commerce, it's pushing these companies way far to the left. Um, if you wonder why Gillette is having uh, commercials that are anti-masculinity or why Bud Light is going third wave feminism, that might strike some people as odd, but then you look at behind the curtain a little bit and you see this whole ESG infrastructure, again, worth trillions of dollars that is directing a lot of this stuff behind the scenes. These CEOs, uh, these boards do not want to get on the wrong end of these uh, of, of this industry. And so they they are they are essentially beholden to them. Mm. Uh, now, Bitcoin is supposed to be outside of the structure. It's one of the big uh, positives uh, right. uh, of, of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, I remember a lot of people might relate to this point from a few months ago where everything seems to be going wonderful in the world of cryptocurrency. And then Elon Musk decides to come out and talk about how much energy is being used uh, by Bitcoin. A, a really frustrating point that I feel has been debunked 100 million times. Uh, but this is the kind of the main ESG critique of Bitcoin. First of all, is that a really legitimate critique or is it, you know, another one of these left wing talking points? And then also, like, how would ESGs affect uh, Bitcoin? Well, for now, it's it, the energy consumption is is uh, is the main issue, but the rest is coming. The, the S and G are, are are coming, and there's a there's a there's a lot of different ways that this is going to happen. But but if you look at how much energy Bitcoin actually consumes, it's about 
the, it's about around the, the population of the Netherlands. Um, and if you look around the world at how many people that are, are fighting for their own freedom and fighting for their own ability to lead their lives under oppressive governments, that's about 53% of the world. So I think that's a pretty good trade-off. Um, so how could they do this? Well, there's a lot of ways they can do this. Um, it, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission is, is implementing a lot of uh, ESG standards there. They're going through rulemaking processes right now. Bitcoin is not right now technically considered a security, but everything else, Ethereum, all the way down, are open to uh, a, a question of whether or not they, they are securities. Another, uh, and, and so if they are, they're going to fall into this milieu. The other way is through the exchanges. Uh, again, the Securities and Exchange Commission has tried to regulate these exchanges. So you can really see a situation where uh, uh, the exchanges are pressured to not allow tokens that are not ESG compliant. And then a whole bureaucracy of consultants builds up around that in the same way that it's done with uh, with public companies. Hmm. Well, what do you make of this push for regulation uh, of cryptocurrency? I, you know, as I don't want regulation of any of this stuff. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> you know, that's just my right. philosophical belief. There are arguments, though, from people who really like cryptocurrency. A lot of these exchanges have been asking for this type of thing where they say, look, we have to have some regulatory certainty. I know when dealing with taxes, when it comes to tax season and cryptocurrency, it's a freaking nightmare. You don't even know what the rules are. I mean, it really is hard right. to figure out. Uh, is there some argument for regulatory certainty or at least some level of, 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 of comfort uh, for dealing with these cryptocurrencies as we go forward? Well, right. So the certainty, if there is going to be some, needs really needs to come from Congress. It should not be coming from these administrative agencies who have no accountability to uh, to the people directly. Uh, and and Gary Gensler, the the new chief of the of the SEC, did a, had a speech last week saying he wants basically all crypto under his under his umbrella without. Uh, uh, you know, now he's asking for some additional authority from uh, from Congress, but really, what Congress needs to do is decide what is a security and what is not, because a lot of these tokens have attributes. Some would say of of securities, but they also have attributes of utility. They have attributes of um, of currency. So. Uh, they, they have all of these things, and this is a really new a new phase in, in human history, not to be too dramatic about it, uh, and it shouldn't be ruled by a Supreme Court case from 19, uh, 1946 talking about orange groves in Florida, which is, which is basically how they're regulating this now. Hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh, this, this stuff does tend to, uh, to get out of date a little bit as technology develops. Um, but for example, like, let me, let's talk about Elon Musk here again for a second. Uh, I think that's how a lot of people connect to the crypto world who might not be in it. Um, and, you know, I don't think he wants more regulation. I don't think that he's a guy who's like dying to be regulated. But he is really, an ex to my mind, an extreme environmentalist. I mean, he, he, that is really part of his core. I think because, you know, he was against some COVID lockdowns and things like that, people kind of think, oh, this guy is a conservative or a libertarian. Really, I mean, when it comes to the environment, he's about as far as you can go. He's literally building spaceships to escape the Earth. So in this world, he's saying his argument is, look, let Bitcoin thrive. Let, uh, you know, Dogecoin and all these other things thrive. 
but make them built on the backbone of green energy so we don't damage the planet. A lot of people are reacting to that and, and trying to say, OK, look, there is a lot of green energy. There are a lot of renewables that go into crypto already. Why don't we just go down that road and, and knock all these ESG concerns out of the water? Well, that's that's where you start getting into problems is when you sort of accept that um, at, at its core, Bitcoin is a bad thing unless we do it a, a certain kind of way. I mean, Elon Musk has a lot of pull. I, you know, I admire him as a as an entrepreneur. Um, and but he didn't sort of con invent this sort of energy concern. This has been around for uh, for a really long time. And it would not be it should not be surprising to anyone that the left wants to control uh, what I call what, what a lot of people call Web 3.0, which is this decentralized Internet that's coming uh, because they control the they control the current. Uh, internet and they control basically all of the other major mm. cultural institutions in America. Uh, so, so this is this is a threat to them, uh, and it, and it, because they can't control it, they can't censor it. If it goes the way it, the, the way everyone hopes and and the way it was designed to go, uh, it it is uncontrollable from the top down, and that is that is the real concern. Um, you know, we, Elon Musk is you know he's a figure in this. When he tweets, he gets a lot of uh, attention, but I, I would. Say this goes well beyond him as far as you know the left trying to get their claws into web 3.0 so they can just turn it into a top-down structure and control it the way they do the current the current web yeah and I, and I, I want to bring it here because we web 3.0 is a good place to go here I think it's really important that we talk about it in that way a lot of people think right. okay Bitcoin is this investment or it's digital gold or it's some you know you know currency that maybe you buy things with uh, and you see all these other things that are built around it but people don't connect with that world. And I hear all the time, I'm, I'm a guy, I hate boycotts. And the answer that conservatives often come to me with when we talk about these woke companies is to be able to say like, you know, look, I'm not going to deal with them. I'm going to boycott them. I'm going to make a big deal about that. And I understand why. It feels like there's no, there's no way to do anything about it. The only thing you can do is maybe build a conservative social media company, but then that gets pulled offline. There's nowhere to go. Right. This is, I think, the real power that conservatives and libertarians can connect with when it comes to cryptocurrency and what you're talking about with Web 3.0. This is decentralized. There, if we keep this pure, this is a way around all of these problems at the same time. This solves a huge problem for the right. Um, it really does uh, because... Uh, you know, Bitcoin was the start. Satoshi Nakamoto, who was the inventor that who we still don't know who he is, um, uh, was really the start of this. But then Ethereum, which came along, uh, you know, about five years later, is completely programmable. And what that means is that anything that is that it can tear down all of these gatekeepers, not not only in Silicon Valley, but in the banking industry and in entertainment and uh, every in industry that you can think of that the left controls can be can be decentralized and individually empowered uh, through through the technology that started with Satoshi Nakamoto and Bitcoin, but has, has really taken off since then. And people all over the world are, are thinking about these issues right now and and how that how they can uh, build this individually empowered world. Uh, and conservatives should be a, a, a part of that conversation because it's coming with them or, or, or without them. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and it is a way to go around. Like, there's not a person in the middle. There's not a person at the central right. point to go after and say, hey, we don't like this person. Kick them off your platform. That can't happen on these things, assuming that 
the the decentralization is still a big part of this. We see movements at, right. at times with some of these cryptocurrencies. I know you talk about Ethereum a little bit here. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Um, but there's worse examples of it where some of these coins are really centralized around a few people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how uh, how do we continue to keep the the initial spirit of the crypto world involved as this develops into something that the average person uses on a regular basis? Right. So not not to get too far in the weeds here, but there are different consensus mechanisms that are more apt to be decentralized and some that are more apt to be centralized. So Ethereum, uh, uh, as you mentioned, is 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 going from proof of work, which is what Bitcoin is, and it's very decentralized because there are nodes and miners all over the world who work on it and validate the transactions to what's called proof of stake, where anyone that comes in uh, and buys a huge stake in in the currency can have a say in in validation uh, transactions. So this is really worrying. So say if, you know George Soros or Bill Gates or someone starts seeing that hey I don't really like the way that uh, people are using Ethereum. I don't like the way that uh, they can use it without being censored. They can uh, they can do commerce without someone in the middle. Um, it's possible that they could come in and just buy a billion dollars worth of Ethereum. Now, I own a lot of Ethereum, so that would be kind of cool for me because the <laughs> price would shoot shoot straight up. But I don't want that um, uh, because and 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 so you, it it really goes back to okay. There's a trade off here. If you do proof of work, if you allow the miners and other consensus mechanisms to do their thing, there's going to be energy consumed with that. Um, But the trade-off is anyone around the world can exchange Bitcoins and never have to worry about China cracking down on them or some authoritarian country or 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 anything and and allow that to keep its value and that can go from that also applies to you know apps you can have a decentralized version of Twitter and 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 you know and and so on so all of this is possible it's not here yet but it's developing uh, and and we need to make sure that it goes on the on the path that it is and not let uh, these these top-down sort of control freaks get a hold of it and and be able to dictate the rules. And, and really, I think a bigger uh, issue than even a George Soros or a Bill Gates or whoever, pick your billionaire, are governments, right, that could actually yeah. theoretically try to attack these systems. Now, again, really, really uh, rare and not something that we think would happen necessarily, but it is something that's risky. And when you if you go to this system, you don't want to have these points, uh, you know, these, these fail points. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get into more of this. I, I'd love to have you back on, Paul, to talk more about this uh, issue as, as we go forward, because this is a really important piece of the puzzle that not a lot of people are talking about. Paul Jossi, adjunct fellow at Competitive Enterprise Institute. He's the author of the piece for National Review, Bitcoin Gets ESG'd. I'll be tweeting out the story uh, at Studios America shortly. Paul, thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me, Sue. Summer. That's about having fun, right? I mean, we're allowed outside, I think, at this point. I like to keep the good times going. Uh, you know, and I'm, as you know, I mean, I'm not exactly Chris Cuomo in his dancing video in the, in the Hamptons, but I can be a fun guy. I can be a fun guy, too. What if you want to have a, a wonderful outdoor gathering that you're allowed to have in this country these days with maybe some good wine? Some incredible wine shipped from right around the country, right to your door with First Leaf. Uh, if you want to have, if you love wine, if you want to, 
you want to explore the world of wine a little bit and not just, you know, be, you know, sit back and, and uh, have the same thing over and over again. You want to try new things that are still in your flavor profile. First Leaf can curate and ship boxes of wine that are perfect for you. And when I should say they're, they're bottles inside of boxes. You're not getting a bunch of boxed wine. You're getting, uh, you know, it's up to you. Uh, but you get uh, beautiful bottles. It's presented wonderfully. It's a great freaking gift if you have somebody in your life who loves wine. We're talking award-winning wines delivered to your door, 60% off retail. Uh, you can adjust or pause your subscription at any time. You can join today. You'll get six bottles of wine for just $29.95. I mean, that's obviously a great deal. Free shipping along with that as well. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Six bottles of wine, $29.95, free shipping, tryfirstleaf.com. You fill out your, uh, your profile so you get all the flavors that you want. tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. So you're paying a little bit more for the things that you want and need around, uh, around the town as you're buying uh, groceries or going to Walmart or wherever you're going. Uh, most people would say yes. Uh, there's a new poll out that says uh, about 70% um, of the American people say the national economy is in bad shape and 86% are concerned about inflation. This is a Fox News poll that's uh, coming out today. What's interesting is what's the blame for that? 86% blame the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, makes a lot of sense. You'd understand why we spent a lot of money there. But 79% blame the Biden administration's economic policies. Now, you know, Fox News, yes, uh, they're more of a conservative network than some of the others. However, their polling is pretty uh, middle of the road. It does a pretty good job measuring what's going on. A lot of times conservatives complain about their polls. The fact that they're showing 79% blaming Biden is a very big uh, number. Yeah, 79%. Uh, now, of course, obviously, we spent trillions of dollars before Biden even came into office. So it's not only him, but he's making it much, much worse. And I think people understand we're past a lot of the stuff that we needed the emergency spending for. Now we're just kind of playing. We're just in the store buying things. Uh, so who knows? Uh, who knows where this is going to land? But inflation does seem to be a real problem. I uh, also want to tell you about uh, Hunter Biden, uh, his son, of course, Joe's son. There's a new video out and the Daily Mail has this laptop. OK, they have it in their possession and they're obviously just going through it and mining it for stories constantly. So they've released a new one. Uh, this is a, a conversation uh, in the nude, which <laughs> we're not going to show you the video, but Hunter Biden talking to a prostitute and Hunter is discussing that he keeps getting laptops stolen from him, which is really ironic considering this is a laptop that somehow came in the possession of the Daily Mail or who knows who else. Uh, <laughs> but he's complaining about the fact that he keeps getting his laptops stolen. How many laptops can one man lose? He's now lost three laptops. He complains in the video about losing a laptop to the Russians. The president of the United States has sensitive information on, on all of these laptops that we've found so far. Who knows how many there are? Who knows how much of the $3.5 trillion will be spent on laptops for Hunter Biden? My guess is like a third of it. I've never met a person in my life that has lost three laptops. One time, I put my laptop in, the, uh, in a bag in the back of a cab and forgot to take it out. And I ran in flip-flops in the middle of New York City which is gross. And I, I tried to catch that cab and I did not catch it. And I lost that laptop. One laptop I've lost. Now, there was no conversations with prostitutes that you know of on that laptop. 
and there's none on my current laptop. Why? Because I don't lose laptops like Hunter Biden. Stop doing the drugs. Stop losing the laptops. You know, we talk about Italian culture. You should not listen to the words of Andrew Cuomo and what is associated with Italian culture. I happen to myself be half Italian, and I love my bread. Bread is key to life. You must have bread. You must have bread. You must have chips. The problem with that, of course, is you, you know, you're going to blow up like a balloon if you eat too much of this stuff. Too many carbs. It's not healthy. You get all sorts of sugars and flours and all sorts of things that you don't want. UprisingFood.com decided to do something about this. They've cracked the code on healthy bread. We're talking about healthy food that actually tastes really good and that is fresh. It can come right to your door. They also have great chips. Uh, they're almost like, I, I almost want to call them like almost like bagel chips. I don't think they're actually bagel chips, but that's kind of like the vibe of them. They're really delicious if you're going to dip them in any kind of dip or whatever. They taste great by themselves. Healthy, though. You don't have to worry about these are... Uh, really good tasting foods that are really healthy and fresh right to your door. I mean, how does this happen? Uprisingfood.com has crash, uh, cracked the code. And if you use this code, STU, you're going to get 10 bucks off the starter bundle. Uh, it's kind of like a mini trip to the grocery store minus uh, all of the unhealthy distractions. They ship directly to your door. Uprisingfood.com. These guys are great. Uprisingfood.com. The code is STU. Get 10 bucks off your order now at uprisingfood.com. Code STU. Did you know that every one of these incredible shows are available on YouTube? Uh, if you go to studosamerica.com, you can get anywhere to all the social media, the merch, the uh, podcast itself, also the show uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can comment, by the way, in real time uh, from uh, one of our Cuomo shows this week. Uh, Jer wonders, uh, wow, I wonder if all the Cuomo sexuals will renounce their orientation. And I am offended by that because Cuomo sexuals were born this way. Okay? They can't renounce that orientation. They're always going to be awful. Every Cuomo sexual will always be awful, just like Andrew at Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. Also, you can review this program. We really do appreciate it when you do that. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This one comes in. Like this stupid show. Love Stu and his opinions. The stout defense of the laws of the land. The hilarious points of con uh, contest in opposition to the crazy progressive leftists. What a great show. Thank you so much. Five freaking stars. We do appreciate it. Anything quick. It's great. Whatever. We always love your reviews and appreciate them so much. And I want to know, by the way, if you like the new ring setup. Like, listen. No clacking of the ring on the table. Is this important to you? So many of you say, hey, I listen on podcasts and I keep hearing the stupid cards or your ring hitting the table. Please stop doing it. I have purchased a rubber ring as I announced at the beginning of the show. Maybe this is helping the problem. Uh, make sure to message us and let us know uh, on the YouTube comments or in any of reviews as long as they are five stars. Back in a second. Okay, so, so here's what happened. There's a guy, he's at home, and he comes up with a little bit of a craving. This happens to all of us from time to time. He decides he wants some freaking Dairy Queen. Now, I, that doesn't happen to me in, per se, other than a few times a week. Uh, but I love my Dairy Queen. Apparently, he loves his Dairy Queen. So he decides he wants to go get an ice cream cake. 
Now, an ice cream cake at Dairy Queen sounds really freaking good. So he thinks to himself, I could do this, but it's going to take me 10, 15 minutes to get over there in my car. So, of course, he does the sensible thing and he flies his helicopter and lands it in the parking lot. It's true. You can actually see it in the photo if you look closely. A guy. I, I mean, I, look, what is the problem here? I don't even understand it. It's an efficient way to do it. And by the way, did he disrupt? Did he disrupt the place? No. Listen, one of the people who works at the Dairy Queen said they didn't even know what had happened until the news release came out about the helicopter at the Dairy Queen. All right, I'm going to Dairy Queen. See you tomorrow.